1: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the elusive Sunday edition of the Boneyard. What a great night it is! Hadn't been back too long, I guess. I uh, want to thank the fine folks at Taco Bell for being open late. One got some grub. I've been catching up on social media, reading many of your tweets and posts on the message boards and the Facebook groups. And Man, it just feels so good to win. It absolutely feels so good to win, and, and I, it's it's almost indescribable, but I'm going to do my best on this show, and let me turn this up just a little bit here. I think you guys probably deserve a little better sound quality there, but um, yeah, I mean there's a lot going on, and there's so much to feel good about, and I'm excited, and I know you guys are too. We have earned every bit of this. It's one of the things that I want to really kind of articulate here as well as I can, We did not get lucky. You don't luck your way into the College World Series finals. We've earned our way there. I'm not going to spend too much time patting myself on the back, but uh, I shared with you guys before we got to Omaha that I really felt like the team that won that first game between Mississippi State and Texas would be playing for a national championship, and here we are. And the reason that we're playing for a national championship is because we're the best team in that bracket. We proved it on the field. There are a lot of people out there that claim superiority due to matters of opinion. That's one of the things I love about real sports is we have a scoreboard. There is no matter of opinion. We get so caught up in polls and things like that throughout the year, and that's the best thing about college baseball is that we have a tournament at the end of the year to settle and decide who are the best teams. As it stands today, Mississippi State will do no worse than a number two ranking in the final poll. And it's not going to be based on what somebody thinks about us. It won't be based on the looks test. It won't be based on strength of schedule. It won't be based on RPI. It's going to be based on the fact that Mississippi State is coming to Omaha, Nebraska, and they've won three, three games in the NCAA tournament for only the second time in school history. We're playing for it all. It's incredible to think about it. and how great it is that we're going to be playing a team that we know very, very well. And at times they've had our number but I think everybody would probably admit Vanderbilt has it coming. And I know a lot of people would say, well, you know, Steve, that they're this and they're that, and they've got this and they've got that. And they do. They have a lot of advantages. But here we are similarly situated without those same advantages. We don't have the scholarship numbers they do, but here we are. And we'll get a chance to get out there and get a little shot at redemption Monday, Tuesday, and maybe Wednesday, But I can assure you that we're probably the last team in the field that Vanderbilt wanted to see. They may say otherwise publicly, but Mississippi State is a team that should have taken two out of three from them in Nashville. We know it, they know it, and anybody that understands baseball knows that as well. Mississippi State, winners of bracket two. Nobody gave us a free pass. And that's one of the things, too. I I spoke with my son, Ani, this morning. And he kind of pointed out to me, and I actually used it in my notebook today, is look at the easy path that Vanderbilt has had. They've been very fortunate. Now, to their credit, they still had to go make the plays to win games. But let's go back and look at that Arizona game. In extra innings, if they're playing double play depth, Gonzalez hits into an inning-ending double play. But because they're playing the infield up for some reason, that ball gets through. They win the game. They walk it off. And you know what? Congratulations, Gonzalez. I think you're a better player than many people give you credit for. Second game, you get out there again, they lose that one, NC State. A one-nothing ball game. Shows you how much starting pitching really matters. Then you get into that game three, down to your final strike, Javier Vaz, to his credit, battles and battles and battles and earns a walk. They bring in a pinch hitter and they get a ground ball to short. And because they're shaded back up the middle, the ball is a little bit too right at the shortstop. He throws it wild, tries to do too much. The runner goes to third. Now the tying run is at third. Enrique Bradfield comes up, who is a stud. And once he figures out that he's not a home run hitter, he'll probably hit 500. Then Enrique Bradfield comes up and barrels one up in the right field, drives in a run. Now it's first and third. And Brandon Beck, who is one of the best pitchers in the country, throws a wild pitch and gifts them a run. That's a difficult thing to live with if you're branding back. It really is. Then they go out and play an NC State squad that uh, basically is a junior varsity squad, and that's not to take anything away from them. NC State missing 14 players due to COVID testing and COVID protocols. And they still nearly won the baseball game. Had the time runs on base, what, two or three, at the last three innings of the ball game. And then Vanderbilt is uh, is gifted a pass today. They don't have to play NC State, and those poor kids from NC State. I mean, you listen. You can say there's there's enough blame to go around for everybody. But the bottom line is, is the guys that did what they were supposed to do, didn't get a chance to play for an national Championship. I would have loved to have had an opportunity to play them, Mississippi State versus NC State. That would guarantee a first time winner of the College World Series. That's not going to happen. There's never an easy path for Mississippi State, despite what some other people would suggest. Mississippi State had a very difficult NCAA regional, had three conference champions in there. State beat them all. State gets a Super Regional against Notre Dame, a team that's talented enough to play in Omaha, still still support the idea that the NCAA selection committee did the absolutely right thing by not granting them a top eight national seed. They didn't play the non-conference games. It's a lot easier deal when you can save all your arms for the weekend. I, don't, I think the true measure of a team is really how they perform outside of their own league. So Notre Dame comes to Mississippi State. We win it in two out of three games. And, again, a team certainly capable of coming to Omaha and winning some ball games. Then we get pushed into this deal here. We find a way to beat the number two national seed in game one. We bounce back in game two, play another hot team which is what happens when you're in Omaha. You play hot teams. You get Virginia, a team that was a preseason top 20 team and underperformed at the beginning of the year, but they turned it around. They were hot down the stretch, worked their way through, and let's say, what, fifth, fifth best in the ACC in the final standings, but they found a way to get to Omaha. And they beat Tennessee in game one. And then we beat them in game two. And they were absolutely mowing us down, you know, for the better part of seven innings. We started to get some very aggressive swings there. In the eighth inning, we come through. Tanner Allen with a home run that will live in Bulldog infamy. We lose to Texas last night. A lot of discussion, too, about when to bring in Landon Sims. And I know that's a controversial topic, but I'm still going to broach the subject with you guys here today. My opinion will not be changed. And some would say, well, Steve, the same thing unfolded on Sunday. It's not true. It wasn't the same situation because yesterday we still had today to play with. If you throw Landon Sims... In that ball game against Texas, in a tie ball game, especially when we were struggling the way we were at the plate, what if you burn them and you lose the game? Because they were absolutely dealing. They, they threw all their best arms on Saturday. We threw our best arms on Sunday. And so we beat Texas three out of four times this year, the Big 12 champions. I said at the beginning of, the, of Omaha, I wasn't exactly sure how good they were. They're a very talented team. Mississippi State's simply better. And I also shared with you guys on the last show that I didn't think that uh, Texas had the arms to beat us two games. And they didn't. We got to them. We made the plays to win. We're going to break that game down. We're going to feel good about life. We're going to look ahead a little bit to Vanderbilt. I'm going to do a Facebook Live show some point on Sunday, maybe late afternoon, early evening. I've got some invites that I want to try to take up and go celebrate with some Bulldog fans on Sunday night. Monday is going to be here sooner than you you realize. (laughs) So we get a rest day of sorts, and we'll be right back to it. Best two out of three for all the marbles against a team that we know extremely well, and they know us. But based on how they've played offensively here in Omaha, I like our chances. Not ready to call it yet, but I like our chances. I I, I think we have a really good chance to go compete against Vanderbilt. And here's the thing that I think about, too. I know a lot of people in Raleigh, North Carolina, they're going to be cheering for Mississippi State, and rightfully so. There'll be a lot of baseball fans that know baseball around the country they will be cheering for Mississippi State because of the scholarship differential. There'll be a lot of people around the Southeastern Conference cheering for Mississippi State because of that dadgum whistler. And so when we take the field on Monday, it's not just going to be a sea of maroon. It's going to be basically most of college baseball outside of a few folks in Mississippi that don't know baseball that uh, cheer for a team up the road. And before I get into breaking down the game, I want to reference that one more time. And I said this on the last show. I want this to be about us. And for the most part, it has been. And listen, I know we get in our feelings and we get giddy and we want to, we want to say, I told you so. But none of that really matters anymore. What other people think, what rival schools fans think about mississippi state it's just simply not important it means absolutely nothing it doesn't change anything it doesn't change the outcome of the game all it does is kind of get your dander up a little bit and we should be above that and so again i'm going to remind you and i'm going to ask you let's not go tag people in tweets or make posts on facebook and that sort of stuff and listen i you know i'm kind of a ninja when it comes to that sort of stuff you know i'm probably the king of the subtweet But this is about Mississippi State. This is about our families. This is about our dads and our grandfathers and those that maybe never saw this day come and hoped it would come, and maybe they didn't live long enough to see it. And I think about our friend Stan Horton, and I think about my friend Tom Menyard, and I think about my own dad and what it would mean to them to see Mississippi State playing for a national championship. And you know what? We've been here before. Back in 13, we were here. We should probably be here with greater regularity. And I know, listen, I know many people out there, when things go poorly, they're very critical of Chris Lamonas. But guys, Chris Lamonas is the absolute right guy for this job. Wasn't too long ago, some LSU people with their sources were saying he was a major candidate for their job. He wasn't, but that didn't stop people from printing it. He's our guy. And we're his, we're his people. His dad's a Mississippi State graduate. He understands what baseball means to us. One of the things that he had told me when we had interview a while back is, you know, it's just a matter of time before Mississippi State wins a national championship. And it's the only thing we're missing. And now here we are. In 18, we had an opportunity with Gary Henderson, and we'd lose to Oregon State in the bracket, just as we would have done tonight. I mean, same format, right? We win the first two and we lose the last two. But Oregon State was the best team in the country. Back here in 2019, and we actually probably underachieved a little bit, to be fair, we took Auburn for granted, and I think because we had handled them so much in a regular season, I think we thought, well, it's still Auburn. We'll be okay. They outplayed us for eight innings. But in the ninth inning, Chig Mangum, Elijah McNamee, others, Marshall Gilbert, said, you know what? No, nah, we're not going out like that. Then we lose to Vanderbilt, who was the best team in the country and ultimately won the national championship. Well, now here we are with a chance to prove that we're the best team in the country. One of the things that I have said all year long is there is not a dominant team in all of college baseball. Some people have suggested, well, you know, Arkansas and this and that, listen, they're a great team. They are. I still believe that their offense would have been swallowed whole in uh, TD Ameritrade, just like Tennessee's was. When you're so reliant on the long ball and you can't hit the long ball, you lose. Really feel like Mississippi State's offense, Virginia's offense, Texas's offense, Vanderbilt's offense, probably a little better suited for TD Ameritrade, NC State's offense. You know, so teams that can get out there and string hits together win games. And to be fair, we have not done a lot of that. We have not strung a lot of hits together. At times, we've had to have a little help. We've had to have an error here, a walk there, you know, misplay ball here and there. And some of that's the big stage. But the reality of it is, is we are here. And we didn't get lucky by any stretch of the imagination. We didn't get lucky. We didn't have an easy path. They put a bracket together and at the end of the deal we've won our side of the bracket. And now we have a chance to go win it all. Our good friends Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, three great locations to serve you and I hope for those of you that could not get to Hoover, or excuse me, Omaha, we forget about Hoover. That maybe you go watch a ball game at Bulldog Burger Company. Listen, they got a full service bar there. You can go have your make that your your stay-gating destination. Bring the kids, have some burgers, watch a ball game with other Bulldog fans. It's a great location to go to. Now on Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgeland, Gloucester Street in Tupelo, University Drive right here in Star Vegas. Go have the spring rolls. Tell them that I sent you. Some of them may look at you and say, who is he? Yeah, I got to work harder, Right. The Bulldog Burger Company is a great place to enjoy a family meal and a ball game. You can have uh guy's night, girl's night, whatever you want there. Family night, whatever you need to do, you can take care of it. Go by, and check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, what well, Bednar starts for us. Now, I will be bluntly honest with you guys. I was a little bit worried about the horns down thing from the other night. But, you know, listen, Will goes out there and backs it up, but... You and I both know, I mean, David Pearson, and his staff, I am confident that they showed their team that video, that picture that made the rounds on social media. And while it was funny, it was disrespectful. But you know what? It's part of the game. And I'm sure they used it as motivation. And I don't blame them. But that's the thing, too. When somebody calls their shot and shuts you down, you just tip your cap. I worried a little bit about Bednar, too, because if you look at his appearances after he throws 100 pitchers or more, it hadn't been great. You had the Missouri situation. You had uh, Hoover. Then you had Notre Dame. I mean, you know, he didn't have great outings. Some of them were decent, but none of them were great. Today was. He did elevate a couple of balls, and a lot of that too was just because of the fact that uh, you know he's throwing a little bit on short rest. But you know, Wobednar is a guy that comes down here and wins two games in Omaha. He's won more games a lot of our teams have won in Omaha. He was absolutely outstanding. So we open up, and I really thought that he was great. I mean, comes out there, attacks the strike zone early. We get a, a strikeout swinging, and then a strikeout swinging, and Zubia grounds out the short. Nice play there by Lane Forsythe. I thought it was interesting, too, with a power hard thrower like Will Bednar that they would put those two lefties at the top of the order. They did that last night. I guess they felt like, well, we won, so let's stick with it. I thought they might shake it up a little bit and move Kennedy down and kind of go right, left, right. They didn't do that. And for the most part, Will kind of controlled those guys, and that was key. I mean, Ke- Antico is a stud for Texas. Keeping him off the bases is great because he's their leading base dealer. So we get into the bottom of one, and uh, Rowdy gets, I think, an eight-pitch at bat to start the thing. We ground out to the pitcher, so we didn't get much to show for it, but I was glad to see him work the count a little bit. We didn't do it as much late. He had some really quick innings. But it's first inning, we kind of got in his pitch count a little bit. Your T.A. comes up and just rips a single back up the middle. And you knew that he was going to come out fighting. I mean, that's just who he is. He's our guy. He's the tone setter for us. And uh, there's been some guys that have picked him up a little bit in Omaha. But it was good to see T.A. seeing the baseball well and jumping on it. Uh, Cam strikes out swinging on three pitches. And, listen, he's out there to mash, not just to watch pitches. So it's a foul, foul, and then a K swinging. And then Luke grounds out to second. We did a lot of that grounding out to second early in the ball game. And, that's just, listen, you give them credit. I mean you give you give him credit when you got a fa- fastball with some movement on it and you throw it inside and, and you get in some bats, people beat it in the ground, that's exactly what happened there. So we get in the top of second, and we were really careful with Melendez. And that's absolutely the right call. I mean, he's the guy that can absolutely hurt you, just like he did on Saturday night with that three run bomb. And listen, you, know, you tip your cap. That was even a great pitch. The one he hit out was was absolutely is down. He just went down and got it. And so Sometimes you tip your cap, and that was the case. So we walk him on four pitches, and none of them were really in the zone. And I think it was pretty obvious that we were kind of unintentionally walking him uh, just to kind of make sure that uh, somebody else beats us. And then they get the sag bunt down, which is kind of par for the course. They're in UVA both. They get a guy on with less than two outs. They're going to bunt him over. And then Cam Williams, it's really just a situation where the bat finds the ball, or really maybe the other way around, the ball finding the bat o2 will catches a little too much of the plate there and uh, and cam Williams you know launches it on out he basically just you know swung hard and swung up uppercut swing and he's a guy that hadn't done a whole lot in Omaha and uh, that's his memory he hips an absolute jack there to go up 2 nothing and rather than then fold will goes right back and gets back to back punch outs of Hodo and faltini and I think faltini is a liability to play but man that kid plays a pretty good brand of shortstop Bottom of second, we go one, two, three, excuse me. We get, they face the minimum here. Logan Tanner singles back up the middle, and that's good. We need to get Logan going. We need more from him in order to beat Vanderbilt. And he had a really good game against Jack Leiter. We played them in Nashville. Then De Brule grounds into double play. Again, it's a 4-6-3, so we're grounded out there to the second base. And that was on an 0-2 count. And then Combus flies out on the first pitch. And so, it's a, basically, it's a five-pitch inning. It's a five-pitch inning there for Tristan. And so, uh, didn't look good. Bednar goes right back out there and gets a 1-2-3 in and himself. Uh, Ardwan flies out to right. Antico grounds out to first. And really a great job by Luke Hancock there. I don't know if many people caught that on the TV. Is that he actually grabbed it before it went foul to ensure that it was an easy out. I mean, yeah, he could let that ball go, and who knows what happens. But Antico grounds that thing out there, and Luke grabs it in fair territory and goes and steps on the back. It was a very big out at the time. I think it's important, too, to kind of praise him for his play at first base because he's not a natural first baseman. He's over there because he's a ball player trying to fill a need for us. And then Kennedy strikes out looking. So, again, there's your first two guys. There's your righty-lefty matchup. And two, time, two times through the order here, they've done nothing. Bottom of third, State has a chance to get back in this ball game. Uh, Calum Clark doubles to left field, and, and it was, again – just, you know, great opportunity there. Wind kind of blew it fair, though. I think it was probably – may have been fair anyway, but a little bit of breeze there kind of kept it in play. And it's an O two 2 count. I mean, he, he he's down to swinging on a pair of pitches and uh, hangs in there. Good job of two-strike hitting. Goes the other way and really rifled that thing out there. And because they were kind of shading over to right, you had some room down the line. Forsyth. Tries to get the bunt down. He does. Doesn't advance the runner. Just not a good job of bunting there. And, again, I feel like I'm always beating up on Lane Forsyth and I don't mean to be. He is a great defensive player. He is still learning on the offensive end. And uh, you had, uh, you know, Zubia charging right down the line. I mean, you, you draw that bat back, you probably have a heart attack there. Uh, but, anyway, we didn't execute there. And it cost us a little bit here in the inning. really thought, you know, Technically, you want to get some things done here. Rowdy Jordan, then again, Rowdy, a tough at bat here, too, gets ahead 3 1, pops up to the shortstop, and you begin to think we're not going to score. But TA comes in, rips one back up the middle there, and Clark scores. And so now it's a 2 1 ball game. Cam James, ground's out to short on three pitches. Cam's got to get some lengthier at bats. Cam needs to see pitches. So now it's a 2 1 ball game. And at this point, I think we all felt like, you know what, we just got to kind of hold this thing in place until we can get to Sims. We'll be in great shape. So, top of four, we get Zuby to get a foul out, and T8 does a great job running that thing down in foul territory. And, and again, I think this situation where the wind may help us a little bit. Uh, we walk Melendez on five pitches, but again, it's the same situation. You know, make somebody else beat you. And that's exactly what Bednar does. He then strikes out Daly and then strikes out Cam Williams, the guy that hit the jack the, the previous at bat. And so we're rolling along here, two one, and we're again. I'm thinking, you know what? Will has kind of figured some things out. That Cam Williams thing was a fluke. That Jackie hit was just, you know, again, just kind of a really more of a circumstance thing rather than execution. But we go one, two, three in the bottom of four. Hancock flies out the right, and he, I thought he got it all. Then you know, it's like the wind seems to help everybody else for some reason. I guess Luke hits it more on a line, and it doesn't get out. Uh, Logan Tannerden strikes out swinging on three pitches and DeBruyne grounds out to the shortstop on the second one. So, again, a, another quick inning there, right? Six-pitch inning, and that's back-to-back innings or single digits for them. And so we're not running pitch count up. I mean, it was amazing to think about that. This is a guy that was thrown on three days rest, and give him credit. He competed. Top of five, Hodu doubles to left center. And to be honest with you, I thought, I really thought Brad had a play on this. And rather than play it, you know, against the wall, he decided to take it off the wall, and the ball gets, you know, kind of stuck there at the base. But I um, thought we had a chance to catch this one. You know, of course, in live action, it's a difficult decision to make, and you got to make it on the fly. So I'm not being critical to Brad. But I think maybe if it's a more familiar ballpark, maybe you're somewhat familiar with the dimensions. I think he, because he's done that so many times, I think he probably catches that thing against the wall. Uh, Faltini then lines out the second, and De Bruyne was just right where he needed to be. Orduin grounds out the second. Hodo goes to third. And then Antico doubles to right center. So he finally gets us. And Mike Antico is a star. I mean, he absolutely is. A guy's going to play baseball a long time. But we get behind in the count here. We get a swing and strike. And it's back-to-back balls. We get a little bit predictable. He rips one to right center. And that's the thing you look up and you're like, man, we're out hitting these guys. They got three hits and three runs. They're being efficient with their offense. But I still wasn't ready to panic. Then you get Kennedy to, to ground out. So, again, the top of the order for them has got one hit three times through the order. Bottom of five, combust, rips the double down the right field line there. And, you know, just, you know, Brad's had a good College World Series. A couple of years ago, he was basically here as a spectator in a uniform. But now, all of a sudden, he's a guy that's getting extra base hits for us regularly. And we really needed something big to happen here to kind of climb back in it i mean now we're done about two runs again and it's become a bit of a pitcher's duel Clark then singles to right field his second hit of the day now we got runners at first and third forsyth grounds in a double play but the run scores had a chance there to have a bigger inning but at least forsyth puts the ball in play and we get the run home that's three two and then rowdy jordan singles to left center and of course everybody on press row is thinking it's exactly what we expected and ta grounds out to the shortstop and um they force Browdy at second to get out of the inning. But, again, we're down one run. You're thinking, let's just put some things together. we got a chance. You know, with Bednar going, you start worrying, you know, who, who are we going to throw to kind of bridge the gap to land him, especially in a one-run ball game like this, because, you know, if you, you make the wrong decision here and you get somebody walking people, you're in trouble. Bednar goes out there again and just says, you know what, I got it, guys. We get a fly out to right from Zubia, and then we finally get Melendez out. It's a full-count situation, but he pops up to the catcher, get him in foul territory, and then Daly flies out. So a 1-2-3 inning, really, really good work from Obednar. Bottom of six, we have a chance to really blow this thing open. It wouldn't maybe have been nearly as much fun, but I think that our anxiety level would have been protected a lot more if we'd uh, gotten a big hit here in this inning. We don't. So Cam James just absolutely battles and battles and battles and battles and gets a leadoff walk here. It's ball one, a swing and strike, foul, foul. So it's a 1-2 count. Then he works it full, fouls two balls off, and then takes a ball low. So great job by Cam. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we need Cam to get deeper in the counts. And obviously, if he gets something he can handle, we want him to do it. But he is such a good hitter. I think sometimes the more pitches that he sees, the more likely he is to make something happen. But also, too, it kind of runs a pitch count up some. So leadoff walk for Cam, great job there. And then Luke Hancock, we're sitting up there in the press box, and it's like these guys have no idea who Luke Hancock is based on how they're playing him. And, yeah, I understand we're going to play double play depth here because you're trying to get out of an inning, and State really struggled at times to, to get a good ball in play. But Luke pulls it right through the four hole there, and if they had shaded him just a little bit there, I think maybe you could turn that. But they were playing straight up in double play depth. didn't work out. And then Logan Tanner hits a chopper that, uh, listen, Cam Williams made a great effort on there at third base, but uh, Superman wasn't catching that thing, man. That The ball was hit with such top spin and he just didn't have any choice. And Logan got a good swing on it and actually got the top half of the ball, but because he is so strong, he doubles that ball in the left field. And uh, it was kind of odd to watch, but, man, when it left the bat, we knew a run was about to score. And so they, uh, they left Tristan Stevens for – Kentonella, who was a stud you know it's he has thrown earlier this year and, and i really thought he was better today scotty then works him for a walk it's a tie ball game at this point too so it's it's so we've got bases loaded now with nobody out and we've got seven eight nine coming up but you start thinking you know what as strong as brad and kellen clark are we just need somebody to elevate something to the outfield let's hit a ball hard somewhere and we're going to score a run well that's not what happens I don't know if Brad was as full on the pitch, but it's like he stopped this bat on contact. I didn't think he got a really good cut at this thing. He swings at the first pitch. Obviously, it was what he was looking for. But I just didn't think his follow through was very good and uh, just kind of poked it out there to third, and they forced the, the runner to plate. Could have been a 1 2 3 double play. It wasn't. Brad got down the line pretty quick. He's kind of tough to throw over, too. And then Kellum Clark strikes out looking. And again, that's an at that bat. We got to have you. You know, we got to have you right there, Kellum. So we put Josh Hatcher in for Forsyth, and uh, I guess we were going, to, you know, kind of thinking, all right, let's 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 make this thing happen, but we didn't want to pull Luke Hancock out of the order either. So Josh comes in, and uh, I'm going to say something here, and I don't want to be critical of Josh because he's been very instrumental to our run in Omaha. He's had a couple of big at bats that have started rallies for us. This was not one of them. His bat path on this at bat was kind of reminiscent of what it was that made him lose a starting job at first. I thought he was really, really short. I didn't think he had good play coverage at all. It's almost like he's stepping out, trying to do a little bit too much on an inside pitch. And uh, was was kind of an ugly at bat. And so I'm just going to call it like I see it. And, again, I'm not, well, I'm not trying to be overly critical of Josh. I just think maybe the moment and his emotions kind of got the better of him in this situation. It was 3K. It was three strikes swinging. And I don't think he was close to hitting any of them. I mean, to me, it looked like he kind of stepped out, but his plate coverage just wasn't good. That bat path was not consistent with what you'd expect with a senior. So, And I'm sure Josh will tell you the same, but he wasn't good at bat. And, of course, the results kind of proved that. But there we go, bases loaded, nobody out, and we get nothing out of it. Those, those things happen to losing baseball teams. Top of seven, and, of course, uh, you know, we're kind of figuring this thing out here. So we bring Bednar back out for the seventh. And so now I'm thinking, you know what, if we can get to this inning, we don't need to bridge to Sims because Sims is going to be able to get us a couple innings. Tanner Leggett goes in uh, at short in place of Josh Hatcher, of course. So Josh and Land Force are done for the evening. And Cam Williams to single to left field. And really a great job of hitting, to be fair. Uh, Cam back to back swinging strikes. And then we try to give him a chase. And then eventually he just dumps the ball in the left. And really a good job of hitting. Hodu then pops up trying to bunt, and we nearly turn two. Great job by Luke Hancock to snare it and then look back at first because here's the deal. Everybody is taught on a bunt as a, as a runner that w- once you see him bunt it through, you take off. You want to get a good jump there get a second to avoid the double play. And so Williams kind of gets caught in limbo there But because of the fact Luke looked so quickly. We nearly had it. And, and listen, give Scotty DeBruy a lot of credit for being over there to even make that play possible. And so now we make, we make the change here and go ahead and go to Landon. And I think every Mississippi State fan in the world saw that happen and said, you know what, Will's been great. Landon can take it from here. We're fixing to win a ball game. What does he do? He comes out and gets Faltini swinging. And, again, that guy's a liability at the plate. Williams takes second on a wild pitch, but then we get Orduan to strike out looking. So Landon just being Landon there comes in, uh, gets you out of the inning with a couple of punch outs. Uh, bottom of seven, of course, it's a tie ball game. We're just thinking, hey, let's find a way to get a lead here because they're not going to be able to score on Landon. And uh, Rowdy Jordan singles to center field, so you're thinking, okay, here we go. Let's just find a way to move him around. We got the heart of the order coming up. Then T A grounds into a double play, and again, it's a lengthy at bat. There, he works the count full, gets something he thinks he can handle, and we you know, we hit top half of baseball and. Uh, They roll it up, and then Cam James strikes out looking, and I thought that the uh, third strike was an absolute joke of a call. I think when you see the uh, replay of that, or or there's some still images out there too. It was a bad call. There's no question. I don't need to defend Cam, but I can be critical of these officials when uh, this is the College World Series. You you only got a couple games left. It's supposed to be the best of the best to ensure the integrity of a game, and to get a call like that, at the plate, and I understand the ball's moving a lot quicker than it did maybe years ago. But you got to be able to stand there and give you a good call. And that could have cost Mississippi State a baseball game. Those are the things that frustrate you. Uh, Texas top of eight. It's a one-two-three deal. But I tell you, when Antico's ball left the bat, it was so reminiscent to the home run that Cam Williams hit. I saw T.A. kind of looking for the wall there, and I, you can hear Rowdy on the endgame game mic saying, "Hey, you're good. You're good. You're good." It's a good job of communicating there between your outfielders. That's a difficult play. I know it doesn't seem like it, but when you're in an unfamiliar ballpark and you're looking and searching for the wall and at the same time trying to catch a baseball, it can be a little bit complicated. So that was a big shot. We survived that. Kennedy then strikes out looking. Zubia strikes out looking. And again, there's that whole righty-lefty thing blowing up in Texas' face. Kennedy didn't do anything, absolutely anything. This is a guy that, the first time we played him in the World Series, they have him bat ninth having in second the last couple of nights, and, and uh, it's really worked to our advantage. So bottom eight, we're thinking, you know what, hey, we got, you know, four, five, six coming up. Let's give ourselves a chance here. And we really don't. And and, guess, and give um, give Ellis some credit here. He went there and made some big pitches. He gets Luke to ground out the short, which is kind of rare. Luke is usually a pool guy. Then Tanner fouls out to the first base on the very first pitch. Really, to be honest with you, I thought it was a bit of a selfish swing. It's like we're trying to be the hero here, uh, and he really, really, really overswung there. I thought, and then DeBroy strikes out looking. And again, it's a bad call. And when you see it yourself, and Scotty didn't like it, and the uh, the umpire sits in between about it too, but. You take a strike, you foul one off, it's 0-2. And that's the thing I love about DeBruy is he never really gets elevated emotionally even when the count gets extended. He can, in any count, he's comfortable. So then he worked it to a 2-2 count, foul, foul, and then there's another ball. And rather than award him uh, you know, a full count, they punch him out. It was a bad call. I won't be convinced otherwise. And, that's again, that's the second time in a row that a state inning ends on a bad call on a lengthy at-bat. So we get to top of nine. Here's what the fun is. And uh, Melendez, unfortunately, is hit by the pitch, and it's a full count there. But, you know, listen, I don't ever want to see these kids get hit, but the fact that they had to take him out of the game I think says a lot. You might have pinch run for him anyway as a designated hitter there just to try to get the run across. But the bottom line is is that that, what, 94, 95, right to the point of your elbow, that has got to be absolutely excruciating. And uh, hope he makes a full recovery and has a good summer riding the Cape somewhere. But man, that was that was brutal to watch. So they do pinch run for him, and I thought that was significant. I'm thinking, you know what? If this thing goes longer and we get an extra innings, we had to start piecing this pitching thing together. At least we won't have to deal with him because he's an absolute monster. So they then they get the sack bunt down, which is kind of what they, them and Virginia both do. They get the lead off runner guy on. They're going to move him in a scoring position and hope somebody can get him in. They're never really playing for the beginning. They're always playing for one. It makes sense in the ninth, but they do it the whole ballgame. So Daly is out. Then Cam Williams flies out to left. Thought he hit it pretty well. And Brad jumps right on it there, catches it on the track. And then Campbell takes third, and then we get Hoda to fly out to right, which kind of sets up a lot of fun here. We're going to spend a little time talking about this, this bottom of the ninth thing. This is one that we'll never forget. So I know many of you were probably like most fans. We had seven, eight, nine up, and you're thinking, man, if we can just get somebody on, get the top of the order up, maybe Rowdy or T.A. can drive a run in, and we win this ballgame here. But there's no guarantee in all that. But you know, the, the teams that win big are teams that find a way to get production on the bottom third of their order. We've had some of that in the postseason. It hadn't always been consistent. We've had some production. We have some today, too. Your know, Compass has had a big hit, it seems, every game. <laughs> it's crazy to think about, Right. Not in this situation, though. Uh, Brad does strike out swinging to open the inning, and you're thinking maybe Kellum Clark can run into one. Well, he does kind of. He opens up with a 1-0 count. He uh, takes a strike and then swings and misses at one. It's a 1-2 count, and then he's hit by the pitch. And uh, it's, I guess it hit him in the foot, if I'm not mistaken. And so we elect to take Clark out of the ball game and put Skinner in there. Now, again, just kind of like with Melendez being out, you're taking one of your your big guns out too from a power standpoint. And so you begin to ask yourself, all right, well, you know, we got to go try to win this thing now. But if we get deep into this ball game or the season on the line, you know, we're not going to have our big left-handed bat in the order. And so it was a risk, but it paid off. It was great coaching. Braylon Skinner gets in there, and uh, I don't know that he is our most reliable base dealer, but he is one of our best without a doubt. And so they put him in there, and uh, I guess it was on a 1-0 pitch because uh, Tanner Leggett takes a ball, and we go on a 1-0 count, and uh, of course he's got the green light there uh, to go. 1-0 is not always the best count to go on because sometimes it's a fastball count, right? And you know, catchers a lot of times can catch that a lot easier. You know, in a breaking ball count, they may have to dig one out of the dirt, and you've got more of an opportunity to get there. But uh, 1-0 is kind of a fastball count, and He he got he didn't get the best pitch to go on, but he got such a jump. I think it put so much pressure on Silas Arduin that he just he just couldn't get there, and the throw sales high, it's a wonder to go in center field. But Skinner steals that thing clean, and I think everybody in the stadium breathed a real sigh of relief right there, because you're thinking, you know what? We got a runner in scoring position, we got two shots to get him in. You got Tanner Leggett up there. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about Tanner Leggett. I interviewed Tanner Leggett this past summer down in Meridian at the uh, Love of the Game thing that Greg Sykes and them put on down there, and I was so glad they did that because it gave us a chance number one to go see some baseball and see some guys. That, you know, Logan Tanner was down there. Houston, Houston Harding was down there. You know, we got a chance to to see the Bulldogs play a little bit, but also too, just really, that was around the time when life was just kind of reopening again. And it was just good to feel normal for a little while. So, Greg, thank you for that. I know a lot of parents and players have thanked you, but I never have. Let me thank you now. Thank you, Greg. Greg's a good guy. Love Greg Sykes to death, man. He's a really good person. And so, yeah, I remember thinking then, you are know, talking to Tanner at him and you just, you just kind of wonder, where does he fit? This is a guy that's been around a little while, you know, a juco signee, but a uh, you know, guy that's a lifelong Mississippi State fan and – you just wonder, where does he fit? You know, Is he a guy that's going to factor in left? Is he a guy that's going to play second? You know, At this point, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen with Scottie Brule I think at that time, I don't even know if Scottie uh, had, had even signed yet. We certainly didn't know that he was going to be what he's become. You know, you, you felt like Cam was going to be able to handle short. Eventually, so he moves to third. At that point, we didn't even really know who Lane Forsyth was or was going to be. But Tanner just seemed to be that glue guy. He was a guy that played a little bit everywhere. I, I watched him play. And he played some in the outfield, played some at short. He was a guy that was just kind of a ball player. And You forget, too, you know, Scotty Brule wasn't very aggressive after a pop-up one day that fell. And then the next thing you know, Tanner Leggett's in the lineup, and I thought Tanner actually hit it really well. And maybe he's not as smooth as Scotty Brule, I don't know. But he, he actually got his batting average up to to two eighty. you pretty deep into the season. Matter of fact, goodness gracious, I look back at it in hindsight now, he was at three seventeen. You know, so it's like you begin to ask yourself, you know, well, why are we taking him out of the order? Well, we did. And you know, Tanner could have pouted. Tanner could have quit. You know, some did. But he didn't. He said, You know what? I've always wanted to be a bulldog, and I'm gonna do whatever I can to help this team. And listen, let's be honest, he's not much a major league baseball prospect. This is a guy you gotta make haywater sunshine, in, right? This is my opportunity to play and do something amazing and play and be a part of this Mississippi State team. And so he did. He stuck it out. He became a defensive replacement. At times he was a pinch runner. He did the little stuff. He did what was asked of him. And he's not the most talented guy on the roster by any stretch. He's a team first guy. Those guys like him are who you win with. I mean, you've got to have some guys like T.A. and Rowdy Jordan. You've got to have those guys. But you've got to have some guys, too, that he says, you know what, I'm just going to accept my role. I'm going to keep working hard. So when I do get an opportunity to help this team, I can do it. And you know what? Maybe sometimes if somebody goes in a bit of a stretch or a slump there, maybe I can get some regular playing time. But I'm going to keep myself ready. That's exactly what Tanner Leggett did. And if you've ever been around him, you know what a good guy he is we got a lot of good guys on this team. Good guys usually win. Because good guys get along in the locker room and good guys get along off the field. Good guys do what they're supposed to do when their number's called. That's not to say those guys aren't enjoying college life, because they are. Not going to make them out to be a bunch of choir boys. They're not. But we got some good guys that that believe in the M over S. And Tanner Laggett, of course, this is a guy, too. I'm looking back at some numbers here. Guys, he has not had a hit since May 22nd against Alabama. Just think about that for a second. He scored a run against Virginia. You know, a pinch runner. I think that's right. Played in the SEC tournament, didn't do much of anything. But he's had one hit in over a month. He's had the biggest hit of our season. And on a 1-1 one, one count, Tanner Leggett pulls and looked to be a slider. Got a little too much of the plate there. And he rips it over to shortstop's head in, into the gap. And to be honest with you, looking at how well that thing traveled, I think Skinner might have even scored from first. <laughs> I mean, I, but Tanner Leggett was a guy that in many respects, that many of you would probably have forgotten 10 years from now, five years from now, three years from now. Somebody said, oh, yeah, he's that guy. Yeah, he's that guy. Now he's that guy that's hit that ball that that sends us to the college World Series final, a guy that wins a bracket, a guy that beats Texas. It's a huge hit in our baseball history. And how appropriate is it on this team? Well, we don't really have a bona fide superstar. And I'm not being disrespectful to Tanner Allen. He is the SEC player of the year. But we don't have that bona fide, surefire first-round pick. We don't have that guy. This is a team of essentially role players that is kind of carried ahead by strong leadership of Rowdy Jordan, T.A., and some others. And how appropriate is it that a team-first guy, a guy that could have quit and given up on his dream of being a bulldog, a guy that could have said, you know what, I'm going to sit out and go on a transfer portal. A guy that could have pouted. The guy that could have felt sorry for himself and become a cancer in the locker room. But he didn't do that. And now here we are benefiting from his commitment to our program and his commitment to his own character. He says, you know what, that's not who I am. I'm not going to be that guy that's ungrateful. Yeah, I want to play more. I do. And there's some times, too, I think he's taking some selfish wings, Try to do a little bit too much with the baseball. And maybe playing into in the Ameritrade was good for him. He's like, you know what, I'm not going to hit a jack here. I'm just going to try to hit a ball hard somewhere if I can hit a line drive in a gap, and he did ends up being one of the biggest at-bats in program history. I absolutely love it, and I'm so happy for this young man, and I'm so happy for his family, because what he has done for Mississippi State is remarkable. And it wasn't Rowdy or T.A. or Logan Tanner or even Luke Hancock. It's the bottom third of the order producing. And so, of course, we have all these knee-jerk reactions. Oh, he needs to be playing short instead of Forsyth. Listen, Forsyth's a better defender, okay? That's not to say that – that, uh, that Tanner is any slouch by any stretch of imagination. But, um, you know, we're getting ready to go play for an national championship. I don't know if now is the time for us to tinker with chemistry. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let's just kind of keep rolling with what we're doing. Uh, it's worked out so far, and it's so funny, too. I read all the second-guessing out there. I laugh at the stuff. It's like, do, do you realize what you're complaining about? We're, we're complaining about decisions being made in the College World Series at Omaha. We're one of the last four teams playing. I'm not saying we shouldn't expect more, but let's kind of give our coaches a little credit here. They've got us playing for a national championship without your social media commentary. Right? And I thought Chris Amonis tonight was masterful. I, I've read some other things. I've even had some baseball people reach out to me and say, you know, when T.A. grounded and ended a double play there, why didn't we have Rowdy going? And I think a lot of it's just kind of the fear of the strike him out, throw him out. You know, Rowdy is quick. He's not the fastest guy. But also, too, uh, Silas Ordoan is, is, a, is a dude behind the plate. And so you run there and it's a strike him out, throw him out. Then all of a sudden we're here and oh, I don't understand why we sent him there. You know, and so there's always the guessing game. And we, and we're, we have the gift of hindsight. We're not having to make these decisions on the fly. And I don't know that I wouldn't send him I don't know that I wouldn't have sent him, but I also understand sometimes you don't run on guys that you don't feel comfortable uh stealing against. He's been good. It worked out for us. It painted a better script for us. But to be honest, I would rather have one like we did against Notre Dame, eleven to seven. You know, we get the big lead and just kind of nurse it along and get on out of there with a W. Feel good about life. We've had some magical moments in Omaha. I wrote about that on jeanspage.com after the ball game. 2018, Luke Alexander walks off Washington. 2019, it's Marshall Gilbert walking off Auburn. And today, it's Tanner Leggett. And that's probably the most remarkable of those three. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecova want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovus is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovus has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Takovas has first wear comforts, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop in new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
0: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you
1: You know, at least uh, L.A. And, and Marshall were were starters. And you put a guy in as a defensive replacement, and he goes up there and just bangs one in the gap. I'm, again, I'm not ready to call it yet, but, guys, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to concede anything to Vanderbilt. I, I know many of you probably feel that way and say, oh, you know, Steve, it's going to be this. I'm, I'm not ready to give them anything. Because I've watched them play in, Ho- in Hoover. I've watched them play and TD Ameritrade, and offensively, they're just not the same team outside of that Crocker Jack ballpark. You know, when you play all your games on turf, or just about all your games on turf, and all of a sudden you got to get out here and play on a real baseball field, there's an adjustment. Vandy's booty the ball around up here a good bit too. They, they may give us a little something. They might. And I'm just glad that we're the recipient of that. We'll be around to collect on that. Uh, but let's look at Vandy real quick here before we, i tell you what, let's do top ten lists and we'll come back to Vanderbilt. Because I do want to talk about them at length and because I don't know how much of a show we're going to have tomorrow. Okay, because do, we're doing the show today, I don't, I don't know how long we'll go. I'll get a little more in depth, I guess, with Vanderbilt tomorrow, but I don't know how long the show is. I'll try to record that in the afternoon. I may go to movies again. I enjoy doing that. I went to the movie theater up here and I went and saw the Sparks Brothers movie. It's a good music documentary. You can go check it out if you like that sort of thing. But it was one of these theaters where you got this... There's like 25 seats in there and you got a big 40-foot screen and you can you get reclining seats and you get reserved seating and uh, it's an incredible experience. And so I may go watch Fast and the Furious. How about that? My youngest kid may be disappointed if I go see that one now because I know he wants to go see it too. So I may have to wait, but I may go to the show tomorrow. So I, I, again, I've got a full day tomorrow even though it's a day off. We'll do Facebook Live over on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. I haven't set a time for that yet, but... Um, Let's do top ten lists. And today's uh, top ten list brought to you by the fine folks at Johnnypacker.com. Johnny Packer himself a great guy, man. Listen, he's in contact with me a lot. This is a guy that has struggled with cystic fibrosis much of his year, but you know what, much of his life, but he's not letting it get him down. You know, he's a guy that's that's kind of worked hard and he's got some lung function and he's out there doing things. And he's not just sitting around, you know, thinking, Whoa is me. He's out there living life. Him and his dog, having a great time. JohnnyPacker.com is where you can find your sunglasses. And listen, I've been in Hoover, and it's been sunny here except for today. And I'm so glad that I have them. I wear my glasses all the time. You will too. Go to JohnnyPacker.com. What are your sunglasses today? They're named after Mississippi towns because these are Mississippi folks, Mississippi State Bulldogs, putting this company together. If the frames you're looking for show show is sold out, don't panic. You can send them an email to contact us. Uh, link, and they'll send you, they'll get you taken care of. They'll, they'll get some glasses on order for you. You guys are buying a lot of these glasses, and we're going to save you a little money for doing so. Use promo code Boneyard, and that'll get you 10% off your purchase. And remember, a portion of every purchase is donated directly to Cystic Vibrosis Foundation. You can get your blue light glasses there. There's just so much to choose from there. If you need more information, again, hit them up on the Contact Us link at johnnypacker.com. So Roy put together today's top ten list, and and we have talked about this for a little while, and we have not done a lot of country on the show. And you and I'm gonna tell you something too. Roy's a little bit surprised. I'm not surprised, but uh, the little recent rock covers show that we did recently—that's now your number one, number one playlist on our Spotify channel. How cool is that? So we got more downloads on that list than any other. You guys love a cover song, and you love rock. And I know many people that kind of pigeonhole me into thinking, you know, Steve's just an 80s rock guy. You're wrong. I love a lot of modern rock stuff. Got modern rock tattoos, too. So get your game up, son. So, and before I get into this one, I almost put together an Oleander list, because I love Oleander. And uh, I've been, <laughs> I joked about this on Twitter I listened to them, their album, Something Beautiful, on the way to the ballpark when we won our first two games. I'm losing track of my days. On, uh, on Friday, I didn't listen to Oleander. I listened to Omaha, Nebraska's own Arson City, and uh, we lost. So today, because I'm a baseball superstitious person, I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to Oleander today. And we won. So you'll be glad to know I'll be listening to Oleander every day next week. Not that it makes any difference, but it just matters to me. But uh, Roy has been after me for a while on this, and, and we want to do a little more country because I know we've got a lot of country music listeners here, and some people that like country and rock. But this is a band that I really dig. From the very first time I ever heard them, I loved it. I, I really did. They actually did a song with Chris Cornell, too, that uh, is great and you know what a big Chris Cornell fan I am but it's the Zac Brown Band and I know right now some people are clapping because they know how great the Zac Brown Band is I mean they're absolutely tremendous and so Roy put the list together I have listened I know most of these songs but I listened to the rest of them and um, it's a great list so you can give Roy the thumbs up I approve this list but it is Roy's creation so number ten on the list is the song "Nothing." I know many of you probably know that one. It is a good one. Jolene, and it's not a cover, but uh, Jolene, the Zac Brown Band. This is another one of those songs that uh, we're all kind of somewhat familiar with. These relationships, yeah, you know, it's kind of a toxic deal. You know, it's about a guy that's kind of wrapped up in chemical dependency and stuff, and you know, this is I can't, I can't get straight, I can't do right. You kind of got to understand this is who I am, and you know, there's just there's a lot about this one still. You know that um, there's a lot of people that I know that um, it's to deal with this kind of stuff, and so I dig the track. I'm not as familiar as it, with it as some other people may be, but uh, I dig it. I think Zach Brown's an extremely talented guy. Number eight on the list is "Goodbye in Arise You've all been there too, right? We've all we've all experienced that sort of stuff. I mean, you you love people, and maybe they don't love you the way you want them to, or maybe they don't love you the way that uh, that you love them back. I'm, I'm a firm believer. I write, I write that down in some of the poetry books when I sign up with people. I hope I hope that the people you love love you back. I don't know who coined that phrase, but I think it's great because how many times have we had these uh, bouts of unrequited love? Right? You know what I'm saying? It's like you you, you just think so much and you love somebody so much and Maybe you're infatuated with them or whatever, but you invest so much emotional energy in it, you don't get, you don't get the return on it, and it's just heartbreaking. But uh, you know, this is the one about you know somebody moving on. I saw goodbye in her eyes. I don't think I can change it. There's no way to disguise it. We'll never make it. And that's a realization you come to at some point in relationships, and that's the adult decision. When you know it's not going anywhere, you've got to pull plug. Highway 20 Ride, that's another great one there, too. And because of the fact that uh, we have a Highway 20, it's really an interstate. We can uh, kind of make this our own song there. Free, and that's on the greatest hits, too. Another great one. As She's Walking Away, they even have Alan Jackson on this one. You know, we've, we talked about Alan Jackson recently on the show. And that got that listed really well, too. He ended up in the top ten. So you guys like some country. I really think the Zag Brown list is going to do well because it, is a, it has a lot of mainstream appeal to it. Uh, number four on the list is homegrown. This is it's, I really think Mason Miller, your Mississippi State offensive line coach, is a guy from Georgia, just like the Zag Brown band group. And he always talks about it's great when they're homegrown. I think he's referencing this song. And I'm going to ask him now that I think about it. I think this is what he is talking about. I think there is a, a correlation between Mason Miller's tweets about in-state recruits and the Sag Brown Brown Band song. Number three on the list, and there are so many of you that love this one. I, I love it too. I, I love the uh, the Latin feel of his track. It's a song called Toes. You all know it. I got my toes in the sand. I'm not going to tell the rest of the lyrics, but... It's just such a good time and track, man. I mean, it's like going on vacation, just kind of being away from it all for a while. And I love how he sings it. You know, I mean, there's just happiness in his voice. I love positivity when I can find it. Number two, Colder Weather, another great track. This is one of those uh, tracks too that uh, lyrically I think is one of their stronger ones. I really think that the whole Colder Weather thing is just kind of a metaphor for other things. I mean, it's just kind of like an excuse. You know, he's got this girl that's in love with him and says he wants to see her again, but you know, she says, you know, I can't, I can't trust you. You're a guy that's always on the road. You're rambling. you got a gypsy soul and that sort of stuff. But lyrically, I think it is a tremendous song. I think the songwriting is excellent. And I'm really glad that Roy put that one on the list. But number one, what else could it be? It's chicken fried. Because we all like our chicken fried and cold beer on a Friday night, even though I'm retired pair of jeans that fit just right and the radio up this is one of those great good timing songs i don't care if you if you don't if you hate country music you'll love this one and i i absolutely love it and everywhere i go it seems they're, they're still playing it that song is what 10 years old now and it still gets played all the time and i think everybody knows the words to it, it and it never gets overplayed even though it's played so much and i think that's the mark of a great song is you never really get tired of hearing it they played at Duty Noble. They played all over the place. And they played it here at, at uh, TD Ameritrade. It is an, an incredible song. And uh, I hope you guys will dig it. That's our top 10 list. The Zach Brown Band, courtesy of Roy Simante. If you're looking for our top 10 list, go to Roy Spotify channel at Dogmatic. That's D A W G M A T I C 67 at Spotify. And follow him on Twitter as well. Let's talk a little bit about Vanderbilt, the segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I ran into Stan the man on the streets of Omaha, Nebraska, right outside the stadium after the game was over. We had a chance to talk. Listen, Campus Bookmart is stocked up on College World Series shirts. So if you can't make it, or, or maybe you could make it, maybe you couldn't find the shirts you were looking for, maybe the shirt wasn't in your right size, I can promise you, Stan and Miss Kathy, you're going to have them. Go visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal bondyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. But the, the uh, supplies on these shirts are going to be limited. So if you're in town, maybe swing by and get them. But don't delay, because here's the thing you need to understand, too. And I thought about this earlier. Every time I've come to the College World Series, I've been able to get Mississippi State shirts at a discount price because I always buy them after we've been eliminated. There will be no discounted shirts this year. How about that? Because we're playing to the end. We're playing to the end. It's amazing, man. We're playing to the end. So campusbookmart.net, go check them out. And uh, go by and see Susie and hug her and tell her that I miss her because I've been gone for a long time now. The lovely, talented Susie. Runs a show down there at Campus Bookmark. So go by and see her and uh, let her know. Go hug her and say, hey, that's from Steve. And you know what else is cool too, guys, is I talk about this discounted church. So when we come here, and I'm sure it's the same for fans that buy a parking pass. You know, they they give us that parking pass, and um, I've never had to use them all. They, they, they give them to you, and I think, man, how great would it be to use all these parking passes? And it seems like a small thing. I mean, it really is, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. But I thought, you know, every year I end up throwing these parking passes away because I didn't have to use them because we get eliminated. And now there's not going to be another game of college baseball played this year that Mississippi State's not a participant in. So we're going to get to do that. We're going to have to buy full-price shirts, and we're going to get to use all of our parking passes. And I think that's super, super cool. All right, let's talk a little bit about Vanderbilt here. I mentioned that offensively they have not been elite in Omaha, and, and to be fair, we have not either. You know, we have not really had any separation. All of our wins have been by one run, right? We beat Texas two-one, right? We beat Virginia. We walked, you know, we beat those guys. I don't even remember what the score was now. was a five-four, but it, it all runs together after a while. But you know, we've won some tight ball games, so I think we match up pretty well in this respect with them. Because I don't think they're a team that's going to be able to score a whole lot. They win 7-6 against Arizona in 12. Let me run some numbers down here for you, too. Just kind of looking at this, too. This is really the first time I've really spent some time to look at it. You know, Arizona jumped on them 3 nothing, And Bandy just kind of stayed the course and tied the game up in the fourth. And then Arizona takes another lead. And Vanderbilt takes a lead in the seventh. Arizona ties it. And Bandy walks it off there in the 12th. But... Bandy with three errors in the ball game, three errors, and again, that's about that turf. and when you play all the time on that you know that rubber grade stadium floor they got, then you make an adjustment, things change. so they booted around the ball around a little bit. you know, looking at some hit numbers here, you know Enrique had a hit, Carter Young had a hit, Dominic Keegan had a couple, Troy Levine, who has been good for them down the stretch, he had a couple. Uh, Cooper Davis Spencer Jones did nothing Isaiah Thomas one for six and I'm a Isaiah Thomas fan but he hasn't had a really good uh, stretch here at Omaha Parker Nolan one for six C.G. Rodriguez one of the best catchers in the country two for six Jason Gonzalez had a good game for him three for five and of course walks the uh, the ball game off there with a big hit late with a drawn in infield for some reason Jay Johnson welcome to LSU hope you do that against us uh, the North Carolina State game is a one-nothing loss, and again, they just couldn't get much going here. Uh, Vanderbilt, both teams actually play it clean, but NC State scores a run there in the fifth, and then had to pitch and to kind of make it stand up. Uh, Vanderbilt two hits in the ball game. That's right, two hits in the ball game. Dominic Keegan with one, and then Javier Baz gets the other. So NC State really shut them down. Now, granted, it was a great pitching effort, and we we would need to put one together, too. You know, we'll see how things progress. But, uh, you know, the Stanford game is another one. They just didn't do much offensively. Kind of got some things going late, and were gifted some things, too. But, you know, it's a 6-5 ball game, and a lot of the offense came late in this game. You know, it's like, my goodness, Stanford jumps out to a 4-0 lead, and you think they're going to just cruise to a win here. Vandy gets a couple, then the next thing you know, Vandy Stanford scores again to kind of to get one of his runs back, and then late in the ball game, you know it's a it's a five four game, and they got the you know got their best guy on the hill. And granted, Stanford's a thirty nine one team, but you know, Vandy boots the ball around again. Three hours in the ball game, three. They get nine hits, but they had trouble kind of stringing things together. Enrique had a good ball game with three. Dominic Keegan, who has had a great. Omaha run with a couple of hits. We have got to be careful with him. He had a nice bomb against those guys too. Uh, Parker Nolan with a couple of hits. Spencer Jones has the pinch hit thing there, but you know, you, you look up and down here. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a different guy every night, but at the same time too, it's the usual suspects. It's a lot of the guys you know. Dominic Keegan is a guy that we're going to have to really watch. Parker Nolan too. They got some trained hitters over there, and then the North Carolina State game yesterday. And I'm still really upset about this. I mean, I don't know. You know, I just feel bad for those players and those fans that paid all that money to come all this way. And listen, I know it's real easy to be critical of NCAA, but as I mentioned on Matt Wyatt's show too, if you're Vanderbilt, I know they're an easy target for criticism. You know, listen, we did what we were supposed to do. we're you know, we're, we're vaccinated, whatever. And you expect us to take the field with people that aren't. And that's against the protocols that we all agreed to at the beginning of the tournament. So if that's true, then that's the only decision you could make. NC State has to go play with their only players that aren't affected by the COVID protocols. I'm not going to get political here. I'm not going to share my feelings on what I think about vaccines and viruses and all that sort of stuff. I just know that these were the established rules, and we have to abide by them, even if it's inconvenient. You, you can't change the rules late in the game like this. You just can't. And it's sad to see those guys get the uh, rug ripped out from under them, especially since they were the only undefeated team in the bracket. But it's about time Vandy caught a break, right? So that ball game, though, I was so impressed with those kids. They had every chance to mail it in. They don't. Vanderbilt, of course, makes another error. And NC State made a couple, but it's a, it's a wonder they didn't make more. Enrique Brackfield goes 0 for 5. Carter Young, 0 for 3. Dominic Keegan, again, 1 for 4. Troy Levine, 0 for. Javier Vaz gets a hit. CJ Rodriguez with a hit. Big hit for him. And then Parker Noland, uh, a couple of hits. Again, that right side of that Vandy uh, off, infield is hitting the baseball. Not a lot of consistency throughout the order there. Kumar Rocker, of course, goes 6 innings pitched. Uh, What I understand from talking to some people, some college baseball insiders, is they do expect to to throw Jack Leiter on Monday and that he was not going to throw today, that they were going to hold him and that they were going to throw Riley today and then hold Leiter for Monday. So now Leiter will throw on Monday. And Kumar Rocker threw a ton of pitches yesterday. And listen, this guy's had a great year, and he's done a lot of high-stress innings, but – yeah, you know, he goes six innings and throws 111 pitches on Thursday, and they say that he could come back and pitch in Game Three. Now you know if we pitch, if we win Game One, they're probably going to bring him back in Game Two. And you know that's okay too, because here's the deal: is we're not seeing them in their regular weekend rotation. We're not seeing them on their same schedule of rest. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's just let's run the numbers here real quick before we kind of move on. And again, tomorrow we'll, we'll kind of preview them. You know a little bit more if i can navigate this uh, this side a little bit better um vandy's site's different than mississippi state's you know so you just you kind of don't understand sometimes when you go to other places other people's website how much it all works and how it doesn't so let me see if i can't find what we're looking for here and it's it's you know they have thrown Kumar and Jack an awful lot. Of course, Jack does take some time off earlier in the year. But, you know, Rocker is a guy that, um, you know, has had some up and down at times. But, um, you know, he has been, he's been the stud that many people expected him to be. And I've shared with you guys before, until you see him at field level, you don't really appreciate his athleticism for a bigger guy. But he's a truth. But, man, he has thrown a lot of, of high-stress innings here in Omaha. I mean, a lot. So let me look at these stats here and just kind of share this out for you guys too. I think he's won foot fourteen games ridiculous. So let's see here. So he goes against NC State on June twenty fifth, and he had thrown June nineteenth against Arizona. So five days rest there. And so that was on Thursday. So if you know, if you can start getting into Wednesday again, that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's five days rest again. So, And he wasn't quite as sharp. And listen, and that's that's saying a lot considering how great he is. But yeah, they could hold him to Wednesday and we'd see him in game three. But again, I fully expect if um, if we win game one, if we beat Lighter, I'm sure we'll see Rockter. I, I don't think Corbin will be that worried about how it looks. As he's mentioned, uh, we're still playing. We don't really care how it looks. And yeah, you know, people say, well, you know, that's out of context. No, it's not. It's absolutely not out of context. And I, I don't want to assign motive and how somebody else would feel. I will never profess to know what's in another person's heart. But um, I, I just thought Vandy could have, I thought Tim Corbin could have handled that a lot better. Not that he needs my opinion by any stretch of the imagination and my approval. But I think this is a situation, too, where Vandy could have been a lot more gracious than they were. And maybe that's part of the rub, right? Maybe that's why everybody says, you know what, Vanderbilt's kind of become uh, the evil empire in many respects. And it's so funny too; they're not a great, they're not a storied program, but they're going to play for an NFL championship what, for like fifth time in a decade. You got to give them the props. I mean, I have to like them, but you have to respect them. So Jack Leiter threw against NC State and lost, and that was his first start in nine days. Of course, he pitched against East Carolina in the Super and then pitched against Georgia Tech in the regional. So he ought to be, you know, fresh and and good to go. But, um, you know, he is a guy too down the stretch that has not been quite as dominant as he was earlier in the year. Uh, He takes a loss against Ole Miss uh, earlier this year and then beats Georgia Tech in a 4-3 deal and then beats East Carolina and then loses to NC State. So he's certainly beatable. It's not the dominant force that many people expect. And he's really good, though. Don't get me wrong. But we've beaten him once. Matter of fact, we were the first team to ever beat him in his college career. So we should have some confidence to go out there and say, you know what, we've beaten him before we can. And that's a 7-4 ball game that we won that second game there at Vanderbilt. And then he turns around and loses, um, you know, the next one. He got a no decision a week before against Tennessee, but he had a really rough stretch there. Then they sat him for a week, kind of got him back on track. So it's kind of like Chris Almona said too. It's never easy for Mississippi State. I mean, it's our path is our path. I mean, you knew. And listen, you're not going to play some bad team in an, in the College World Series final. You know, it's going to be a great team. You got to go earn it. You got to go beat somebody. It's like Rick Flair used to say, "To be the man, you got to beat the man." And so Vanderbilt's the running national champions. And so it's a part of me, too. It's like people say, oh, you know, I'm kind of scared of them and kind of have our number. You know, I I think it's going to really motivate our team because we should have won that series in Nashville in the first place. We blew it. We should have won it. And I think that it will drive us a little bit. I think Vanderbilt, in many respects, too, may think, you know, we've already been here we know what it takes. You know, we got the big guns on the pitching staff. But here's what, what happens if you go out there and you beat one of those guys where does the blame go then where does the pressure go then there's no pressure on us they're the defending national champions everybody's expecting them to win but we're capable of beating them i think our guys can go out there and play loose and fast and listen your expectations are riding on the shoulders of your players too you know i mean they understand what's at stake they know how close that this program has come and ever gotten there They want to be the first team to win a national championship, too. It's not just you that wants it. There's probably nobody that wants it more than them. But you come to Mississippi State for, for reasons such as this, to play for a national championship. There are a lot of people that talk about it. There are a lot of people in their recruiting pitches and say, hey, you know, we're going to be here and play for championships. And maybe that's SEC tournament championships. But not in AFL championships, and you look at our history. I mean, you know, we've we've been very close. But here we are. You know, when John Cohen and the team uh, back in thirteen got on that that run, and they got hot late, and we we just rode the wave all the way to the finals. And UCLA got the better of us, and we couldn't throw Kendall Graveman, and, and that that's unfortunate. And we may not be able to throw Will Bednar. We may not. And, yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you, when Will throws, it almost feels like a guaranteed win to me. That's how I feel. That's how confident I am in him. And that's not to say that he might not be able to come back and get you a couple of innings on Wednesday, you know. But, you know, to expect him to go start a ball game is probably asking a little bit too much at this point. And I don't know if we're going to get to Wednesday. I don't know if, if Vanderbilt can extend the series that long. No, I'm joking. It's going to be a very, very hard-fought series, and I think you guys all know that. And I think that familiarity breeds contempt. I don't know who coined that phrase, but it's true. We don't like them. And I don't get the feeling they like us very much either. You know, as Kendall Rogers tweeted out today in, in response to a tweet that I'd sent out, is anybody that thinks John Cohen's going to do anything to help Vanderbilt, I mean, it's just laughable. And It is. But this is kind of the, the, you know, we have said for a long time, it's like, hey, you know, these guys have all the scholarship advantages, but yet here we are with less scholarships and in some respects less talent than they have, and we're about to go play them for an AFL championship. And nobody gave us any gifts along the way. We didn't get any good fortune. We didn't get to play a team's backups. We didn't get to save arms today by not playing a ball game. And listen, it's not Vandy's fault those things happened. But we had to earn every step. So we rightfully deserve to be there. And I don't know that Vanderbilt could have beat NC State a second, a second time. Especially at full strength. But it is what it is. I can't make it any better or any worse than what it is. They're there. We're there. We'll figure it out. We'll show up and play baseball. And there were so many people like yesterday, everybody's overreacting and Oh, if we did this, we would have this. Listen, let's just get there, okay? That's the thing. Let's just get there and go play the game. There's a reason we play the games, right? None of these games are played on paper. They're played on the diamond. So let's just go give our guys a shot. How many of you gave us a chance to come back and win that game against Virginia? I go back even further. How many of you guys even gave us a chance to be a top eight NFL seed? And there's so much of that, too, there's so much of that negative emotion that is invested in this because it's a, it's a coping mechanism for people. It's like we're so scared to be let down and disappointed again that we want to be able to come back and say, I told you so, so we can at least have a little bit of a victory. Is that Even though in our hearts we're hoping beyond everything we have that Mississippi State will win this national championship, we throw out a little self-defense mechanism so we can come back and tell our old Miss friends, oh, uh, I knew they weren't going to win. Belief is a wonderful thing. But let's go back a little bit. There were some that said, you know what, we don't even deserve to host a regional because of how bad we played at Hoover. Guys, I don't know if you realize this, Hoover wasn't our priority. We had bigger fish to fry. Said that then, it's embarrassing, it is, because you got to put up with all that nonsense and then people are saying we're not good enough to be a top eight national seed and many of you bought that rhetoric without doing the math yourself and actually looking at the resumes and you'd see that Mississippi State probably should have been the sixth seed May have worked out better for us to be seven. But we earned it. And then then people expected us to lose to Virginia Commonwealth for some reason. Because they scored a bunch of runs against Campbell and because we have this inferiority complex, we said, Oh, they're going to run us out of here, and they didn't. We're there was a route in that ball game, and it was because we blew them out. Then we get through our friends from Campbell, and then, you know, then people are thinking oh Notre Dame's gonna come in here and beat us. We win the first game, and then we lose the second one. Everybody's like, see, I told you we're going to get to Omaha. It's a good thing the Bulldogs had different plans. They went there and jumped on Notre Dame in that second inning and put that game away, even with your nonsense. And we got to Omaha. Then we couldn't beat Texas. Oh, it was all so unfair. Not going to be able to beat Texas. And we go out there and beat them again. And then everybody's like, oh, I don't feel good about the game against Virginia. They're so scrappy, and they're, they're so gutsy, and they've got grit. You know what? So do we. So do we. And you know what? We had a little bit more. They thought they had us on the mat. We had them exactly where we wanted them. And we won the ball game. And our stars shined the brightest on that night. And we beat them. And then after we lose to Texas. And, and and listen, if if you're listening to the show, sir, I just want to tell you, you really offended me. You really did. After the ball game on a Friday night, when we had lost. I guess we hadn't lost yet. It was, we were in the middle of rain delay. And there was a guy that passed me. He recognized me. He said, well, there's one constant that still remains. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? I knew where he was going. He said, man, they always find a way to let us down. Now, I just want to tell you, sir, I understand your frustrations. I've been there before. But we don't need that in the fan base anymore. We just don't. That constant feeling of impending doom, constantly expecting the next shoe to fall. I hope you're celebrating tonight like the rest of us. I hope you are. Because we all want the same things. We just don't always express it the same way. But I just tell you, you know, to to, to drive all the way to Omaha, Nebraska and say, well, they always let me down. Well don't come. You can stay home and watch it on TV. I appreciate your commitment to come and and support Mississippi State, but I don't appreciate your comment. Not one bit. I don't. I don't respect it because that's who we used to be. That's maybe who we were when our dads were younger. Maybe that's who we were when we were younger. But no, the expectations have changed at Mississippi State. So, no, I don't expect them to disappoint me. I expect them to go win a national championship. And if it's not this year, maybe it's next year or the next year. But that's what I expect. And so, yeah, I'm disappointed when that doesn't happen. But I'm never disappointed in these young men. I'm never disappointed in these coaches because that's baseball sometimes. So, no, Mississippi State's never been a disappointment to me. Mississippi State's never been an embarrassment to me. And I read so many of these people out here to make these comments and sometimes it makes me want to vomit. It's like, man, I'm the biggest Mississippi State fan in the world. Yeah, until we lose. Until we lose. And say, Oh, Steve, you're just a sunshine pumper. Well, no, I'm not. If you if you knew me well, you'd understand. I got I have I have my moments too. But I can assure you this driving up here to Omaha, Nebraska and calling anything related to Mississippi State is a disappointment, it's a joke. You're disappointed we made it to Omaha? You're disappointed we wanted the final four teams playing? Now I hope you're disappointed we're playing for an NFL championship, and I hope come Wednesday you're really, really disappointed that we won anyway. And again, I'm not ready to call it, but I like our chances. He said, oh, you know, Steve, it's Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's it's true, but we're Mississippi State. And I can assure you that we're probably the last team in the world that Tim Corbin wants to see. Because we kind of got a little bit burr under our saddle by Vanderbilt, we got a little shot of redemption. We also understand too that uh, you know you may have forgotten this, but in 2018 we went into their place and beat them at their place in a super regional. Went to Omaha and they stayed home and watched us. 2019 they were a better team for the experience. And they beat us. And maybe, you know what, just maybe, maybe we're a better experience, a better team today because of the experience for them beating us. Maybe we learned something in Omaha in 19. It says, you know what, I don't want to feel this way again. So let me go find a way to get a win. And So, kind sir, I didn't say anything to you last night, and I started not to address it on the show. But I thought maybe it's better because there are a lot of people that feel like you do. And I just think it is—it's a sad way to go through life, I'm thinking I'm just constantly waiting for Mississippi State to disappoint me. You know, the difference between me and you is—I just keep waiting for Mississippi State to amaze me. Let's talk about Portico before we get out of here. Portico, listen, move to Starkville. The uh, the water's great, the people are great, the scenery is great, the entertainment is great, and Portico is great. Portico is a great place. And listen, it's easy to get to. If you if you if you're coming to town on 82, you take that left on 12. It's the very first right. That's how close it is. So just over a mile away from campus. And uh, Brooks Brian, and I interact a lot. And uh, Brooks is a guy that's very much invested in Mississippi State. He's part of a great group here that uh, are just trying to you know give you guys a great place to live, or a great place to play, a great place to maybe uh, make it your weekend getaway, whatever. Portico, Great location. And you can get two-bedroom, two-bath type homes. And listen, there's going to be 51 houses in this development. So it's not going to be, you know, a million houses spent on top of each other. You're going to be able to enjoy letting your kids get out and enjoy the neighborhood. Got that great walk and trail and everything. Houses in range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet. Two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. That sounds right. Go by and check it out. But maybe if you're not ready to do that, let me have, encourage you to write this number down, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. That's Brooks Bryan's personal cell number. I know we text regularly, sometimes during the ball games, and sometimes I'm busy and I'm working and doing my play-by-play article and I can't get right back to him and I'm scared to text him late at night. Uh, But be that as it may, Brooks will give you all the information. There's only a couple of houses left in phase one. Phase two is about to start rolling too. So call and get some information. I know it's been your dream to move back to Starkville or to move Starkville for the first time. Portico is going to be the way to go. Absolutely, out of doubt. Make Portico your next move. All right, so let's uh, talk about a couple of things before we get out of here. So all of our games against Vanderbilt will be 6 p.m. Central. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Be prepared for that. Now, many f- people are having trouble getting tickets already. Now, I'm going to encourage you as your friend, you need to try to get tickets taken care of before you get here. There's not the paper tickets floating around here. It's a digital-type deal, whatever, and I would encourage you to, to make sure you buy them through a reputable vendor. I've had many people tell me they've tried to go through Ticketmaster and then like tickets get bought like off from under you. you know, So when you jump in there, you better be ready to roll because now there's a lot of people that were maybe kind of on the fence about coming. They're like, you know what? I'm going now. I wanted, I wanted to go, wanted to go, wanted to go. Well, now that we're in the finals, I'm going to go. I can't count how many people have messaged me or tweeted me and said, you know what, Steve, Uh, we're leaving in the morning. We're heading out there and going to get ready and get settled. And we're going to be, be part of this Mississippi state traveling party. You should be able to buy some general admission tickets, but it's not like it has been, you know, they got all that stuff is even though it's, it's GA it's reserved so it's not going to be you know what it has been there's no lottery this year so i'm going to again encourage you buy your tickets to a reputable third-party ticket vendor you know we used to have a deal with SeatGeek, right and you got 10 off your first purchase if you uh downloaded the app i don't even know if that promo code works or not anymore but it was boneyard so if you're using the SeatGeek app Try to use your Boneyard podcast, uh, your Boneyard promo code, see if it works. Try to save you guys a little money. A lot of people are reaching out and saying, you know what, Steve, what about hotels? Listen, uh, Google is your friend, okay? Priceline.com, people, places like that. That's the way to go. So I, I don't know why people ask me for that advice because I'm, I'm not a travel agent or anything. I can just tell you that I've been out here and um, you know a lot of people are, are kind of moving on too, like, I would encourage you maybe consider jumping on that Texas Team Hotel. Find out where maybe the Texas Team Hotel was because a lot of their people are going to be leaving now. So those rooms will be opening up. And so there's going to be a lot of people leaving and then a lot of people coming. And so things are going to be in demand. And you can be patient with yourself. But you need to secure your tickets and your hotel rooms before you get here. If not, you're going to find yourself in a pretty cheap hotel watching a game on TV. So... Handle that before you go. I know, like, oh, there'll always be people selling them. Nope, I can tell you, I had countless Mississippi State people that wanted to go to some of the other games because they were in town, and they were walking around, and you can't find anybody selling tickets. So do not depend on that. I'm telling you, before you get in the car and you make your drive up here, you need to secure some tickets. Absolutely secure some tickets, because a lot of people that went to bed tonight thinking, okay, I'll do it tomorrow, and they're going to pay a lot more for them if they can find them. So there will be some people, obviously, that you know that are disappointed because they didn't make it. or will put some tickets up for sale, whether it be on Ticketmaster or StubHub or whatever. But I'm going to encourage you to use the the ticket office through TD Ameritrade, call them directly, or they've got a website. Use that and try to buy tickets at face value. If you want things in the grandstand, uh, they should have some available. But I'm going to be honest with you; those are going to be difficult to get. But again, secure your tickets before you hit the road. Don't depend on that when you get here because it's not like it's n- normal where you've got you know fifty people walking around before a game, ten minutes for a game willing to sell you tickets or maybe ten bucks above face value. there's just that's not that just does not exist right now. It may come back at some point, but it doesn't now. And as far as the uh you know restaurants and meals and that sort of stuff, you know th- there's a lot of information out there to help you with that. But I think it's very very important again I, I'm, I feel like I'm belaboring the point but do not depend on ticket vendors up here. Get that handled now even if you have to pay a little bit more, go ahead and get it done because the last thing you want to do is get here and get shut out. because the, the uh, some guys the other day I think I, I can't remember the guy's name but we were at our talk and they were you're just trying to get some tickets to go see the um, I think it was the the, the Vanderbilt NC State game. And the guy was still trying to sell them for 60 bucks, and it's like the third inning. You know, we're thinking, oh, maybe I can get them for 10 bucks. What that tells me is the guy has no money in the tickets. That's a guy that's like, you know what, I don't have any, any investment to recoup, so I'll just eat them before I sell them to you at a discount. So I understand there are not a lot of ticket vendors just roaming the streets of Omaha to take care of you. Take some personal responsibility and go ahead and get it done. Also, too, there is a lot of merchandise here in, in the village, and a lot of it's going to be super cool. And so, I mean, again, encourage you, maybe do all that shopping early because uh, it's going to run out quickly. It's absolutely going to run out. And you know, I, I will share with you guys, too, I want to give a couple shout-outs to a couple of places. A lot of people talk about the Drover, and uh, Dave Murray went for like the first time in forever and said it was fabulous, the Drover restaurant. It's kind of legendary place up here. Uh, there's another place called Spaghetti Works that Dave turned me on to i went there back-to-back days for lunch and it was tremendous the service is great and uh you know even if the pasta is not quite enough they'll bring you another bowl of it if you want some more they'll bring you some more that's a really cool thing they got a really good salad bar there too but uh, there's a lot of great italian places around here there's just so much to do so much to look at and a lot of people are wondering what to do during the day i work and sleep during the day because of these late nights kind of get to me after a while matter of fact it's uh it's after 2 a.m. here now. But uh, a lot of people love going to the zoo. I would encourage you to kind of plan some activities and don't just try to wing it. You know, if you're going to get out and get the kids out, maybe go do some things for the ball game, kind of have a plan because there's going to be a lot of people here that aren't ordinarily here kind of doing the same things you're doing. So, listen, love all you guys, man. And again, it feels so good to win. So excited. Thanks again for your support of all the books. I've had people up here buying books on Amazon, it's incredible. Uh, but uh, Bloomsville oleander is the new one. You can go check it out. And uh, thanks again for having that on the top ten list. And then if you're looking for Alpha Dogs and Stark Villains and Flem Fleming, you should be go to Alpha Dogs The Book dot com. It's Alpha D A W uh, G S The Book dot com, and you can get personalized copies there. And uh summertime's here, Baseball's going to be over soon, so you're gonna. Want to extend all this and kind of enjoy the memories. Got some good ones for you in there. And of course, Blooms of Oleander are available pretty much everywhere. And you can find it also on Amazon. Uh, but if you need personalized copies, you need to contact Miss Carolyn and the crew there at Bookmart and Cafe in Starkville. You can look that up. Again, that's Bookmart and Cafe at Starkville. All right, that's going to do it for today. You guys got a free show. Again, I'll be back tomorrow. I don't know how long we'll go. We'll see. We'll have another top 10 list. We'll break down Vanderbilt a little bit more. And uh, maybe we'll get some more news. And we'll talk about that then. Hope, I'm, I'm hoping we get a football commitment. I was told that that would happen this weekend or a good chance of it happening. So we'll see how things progress. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.